Christ died for your sins, rose again on the third day, and if you repent and trust in Him, God will forgive your sins. At the moment, you're like a man on the edge of a plane, 10,000 feet up, and he's going to flap his arms to save himself. It's not going to work. He needs to trust the parachute. And at the moment, you say, I'm a good person. I'll be fine on judgment day. No, you won't. You're not good. You're like the rest of us. Trust in Jesus Christ alone. Transfer your trust from yourself to the Savior. I will. Does that make sense? It does. Do you have a Bible at home? Yes. Now, you're not laughing at me anymore. Is that because you're thinking seriously about this? Yes. I appreciate that. Salt is a preservative. It preserves things from spoil and decay. And light dispels darkness. And Jesus says that we are that city set on a hill. We are the light of the world. And God commands us to uphold justice, to be light in darkness, and to preserve the culture around about us from spoil and decay. It's actually a command of God that Christians not only preach the good news of salvation and redemption, but that Christians are the ones that stand as the salt and the light and the force to preserve justice in the world. Alright, hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Solomon's Porch. Uh, this is Josh Lucas and I am so humbled and honored to be able to lead you in this episode today and my hope and prayer for you today is that you are challenged by today's episode and that you are also um, uh, encouraged by today as well and uh, and hopefully that this episode will be able to further your relationship with Jesus Christ um, and, uh, and your faith in him. Um, so it's actually kind of crazy right now because we are, uh, I, I live in Iowa and, uh, and right now it's, uh, it's actually kind of crazy that, um, right now we are in a blizzard warning. Um, and actually right now, um, I can't really tell if snow is falling because of the fact that, uh, it's blowing everywhere. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to determine whether it's, uh, whether it's, whether it's actually, uh, falling from the sky or if it's just blowing from side to side or if it's both um so it's kind of crazy that uh that we're going through this right now so uh it's a it's an interesting time but then i also saw in the news that uh that it's going all across the united states uh and uh even california from where i'm from they're they're in a blizzard warning as well uh and i think they said that it was since 2006 was it was it two, either 2006 or 2016 that uh, that they had a blizzard warning actually so kind of crazy and it's all happening so everybody please be stay be safe out there and uh, um, and <laughs> as we say make good choices as well um, but today's episode is a really important one um, because it uh, it's talking about um, essentially a movement that's taking place right now in all kinds of different aspects of our culture and our society um, and in the nation of the United States of America and even uh, it may even affect even your own community if you're not in the United States as well maybe you see this uh, maybe you're seeing this too um, but um, uh, you know seeing this where you're from or anything but one of the big things that we're seeing right now is a uh, quote-unquote revival that's happening um, in Osbury uh, right now. It's one of the big colleges in the United States, um, and uh, in 
it was basically like a worship service um, and hundreds, even thousands of people were gathering together and worshiping together. And now it's spreading all across the United States um, to different universities, churches, you know, the whole nine yards. And, and, you know, everybody is talking about this, uh, this new revival that's taking place in the United, in the United States today. So, uh, you know, a lot of big things are going on and a lot of people, a lot of churches, Christians, things like that are essentially celebrating this. Um, and not only are we celebrating that and focusing on that too, but we're even also, uh, celebrating, um, the release of a couple of, of upcoming films, um, and even, uh, a really, um, a really popular television series right now. What I'm talking about is The Chosen. Um, I'm talking about The Chosen, uh, and uh, there's a new movie that's going to come out. Actually, I think it actually, I think it comes out today. I believe um, it had a special showing like two days ago or something like that. But it actually gets released today, and that's called Jesus Revolution. Um, and uh, so we're going to talk about those things today. So the focus of this episode today is talking about. Um, true revival and true repentance and true moving of God. And, uh, and I, cause I want to talk about that cause I think it's really important. I mean, I did an episode on fake Christianity, um, a few weeks ago, and I think this really ties into that. Um, because I, I want to talk about different things that, that we do as a nation, a couple of different things that we do within the church, um, that make me question, this quote-unquote revival. Now, I'm not going to say that the, the what's going on is not a beautiful thing. You know, God is being worshipped. Uh, people are talking about Jesus. Like, it, it, it's going on social media. It's making the news. People are talking about it. Yeah, it's it, it's an amazing thing. And God's going to definitely be working through that. Because we know from Romans 8.28, that for we know that all things work together for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Um so we know that that he's going to work all these things for the good, um, but I think we do need to be careful about how we go about this response and and how we can sometimes, in a way, misinterpret um, different things. So I want to talk about that today and give a response to uh, to the revival and even give a response to uh the chosen and uh the 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 jesus revolution and there's a new movie coming out from the creators of the chosen angel studios um so i want to talk about those things today but first um i uh, just really want to encourage everyone that right now we're uh, for, for a lot of different reform circles or, uh, Lutheran circles or just, you know, church circles in general, you know, this is the season of Lent. Um, and this is the season and the time where, uh, where we prepare for, uh, for Easter, essentially the crucifixion and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, but I just really want to encourage you Christians that nowhere in the Bible does it tell us that we need to celebrate Lent. Uh, Lent is a very Catholic, um, a Catholic celebration and a very, uh, very, I guess technically you want to call it an unbiblical uh, task, an unbiblical celebration, because it's not, it's not commanded by God to do this. The only thing that we're commanded by God to do in remember, in remembering of Jesus's death and resurrection on the cross and, and from the grave is through communion. Um, so I just want to say a quick thing 
that I know that uh, that it's it's a very emotional time, and it's a it's a great thing to prepare yourself for Easter and do some things that really get you focused on Jesus and really focused on the resurrection. But I just really want to encourage you to please be careful on how you respond to these things and how you celebrate these things, um, because I I do believe that these things can become an idol and and essentially lead you down a, a false sense of God. Um, and, uh, and I just, I really don't want, I don't, I don't want you to do that. Um, I, I would like us to, to really keep Jesus at the focus, um, and not just be like, well, I'm going to give up something for 40 days because, you know, I want to get right with God or I want to, you know, it's just tradition, right? Um, God's not, God's not, uh, not worried about you, um, giving up one thing to try to focus on him. God wants you to give up sin. God wants you, your righteousness and not just for 40 days. He wants it every day of the year, all year long. So that's just my encouragement. I know that this is an emotional time for everybody, but please just do your research on it. Uh, one person that I really enjoy was talking about Lent and, the, and things like that is Douglas Wilson uh, from Canon Press. Um, he's a very good resource on this, um, and and he does talk a lot about Lent um, and and has a very good uh, a, a very good sense of theology and good doctrine and things like that. And he gives really good. Um, Really good points about Lent and everything else, but uh, but let's just be careful with the season of Lent. Um, so with that, let's dive into this uh, uh, to the meat of this episode. So as I said before, um, there's a revival going on in the United States today uh, through um, uh, started with Osbury and then uh, and then it moves you know moved all across the United States. So now all kinds of universities and stuff are joining this. They're going to their local chapel or going to a church or whatever a church building i should say and uh and they're going um uh and doing worship services and stuff like that um and uh and it's just i don't know it's uh it's kind of interesting that this is all taking place right now right before uh, the release of this new film, The Jesus Revolution, essentially, as it's calling it, the biggest uh, evangelistic revolution in American history. That's how they label Jesus Revolution. But now, with the release of that film, this happens. You know, I, I hate to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I mean, we have to look at this from a logical standpoint, okay? What is the goal of. Hollywood. What is the goal of movie makers, essentially? Um, it is, yeah, it is to make a good product. It is to make entertaining uh, art and things like that. But overall, what is the goal? It's to get people to come see their movie, right? That's why with trailers and things like that, they, they make this huge deal about the, the, the trailer. They put all this work and all this effort into the editing uh, of the trailer add an awesome music to it, the coolest scenes in there, um, and then some type of epic one-liner uh, from the film that really gets people to go, okay, yeah, I want to go see that movie. But what what else uh, What else do they do? Well, they do promotions. They did this recently, uh, actually, like recently, recently, but like last year when uh, that, that uh, horror film Smile came out, um, 
what the filmmakers actually did and the studios did was they paid people to go to baseball games and to sit right behind home plate um actually to the point where they're like front row right behind home plate where the where the where the uh the camera is pointing right at home plate and they just sit there for the entire game just smiling kind of like how they're how they smile in the movie um they paid people to do that as a promotional for the film and and the the broadcasters and everything picked up on it and pretty much every single broadcaster in every single game did a, a a session or a section of the game where they zoomed in on the person smiling and then they promoted the film now what that did for for uh for box office or what that did for the uh, for the actual attendance i'm not sure um and i don't know if there's really a way to uh um to actually you know experiment with that or figure that out unless if 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 they did a uh like a, 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 a like a census or a, or a, a like a questionnaire you know how did you hear about the movie where did he where'd you go with this you know things like that but that reveals right there just how serious Hollywood takes their promotions, right? That's how they want to promote. That's how they want to get things out there, right? Um, so with that, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily like saying that this is why this is happening, but I think it's something that we have to consider, right? We we have to really. Uh, that, that, that's why the Book of First John tells us that we need to test the spirits, right? We can't just see something, hear something, and go, okay, yeah, that's the truth. That's the gospel truth. No, we have to test everything and make sure that it's the truth and it comes from the Bible and it's biblical. It follows the context and it's it's relevant and it's true, right? Um, so I think we really have to take a step back and really examine ourselves. Okay. Because here's the other part of this. And, and this is where I might get some backlash or I might get some eyes rolling, or maybe some of you might turn this episode off, um, as you hear this, but I want you to give me an opportunity to explain here. Okay. I want you to give me five minutes to explain this. Okay. So don't, don't leave just yet, but I question this true revival I do. I really question it because how many of these Christians that are out here worshiping are, you know, left that place and they went and had sex outside of marriage? How many of them went and got an abortion? How many of them went and got drunk and did drugs? Uh, how many of them um, watched pornography? How many of them, uh, you know, are still, you know, all in favor of of uh you know black lives matter how many of them are in favor of of uh of abortion how many of them are in favor of gay marriage how many of them are in favor of um of stealing from the rich and giving to the needy how many of these people are actually changed by the gospel and they're coming to true repentance with their sin because here's the thing we have to understand this is that just because you go to a worship service does not mean that you are saved just because you go to this so-called revival or people are coming together and worshiping together does not mean that they're saved. You want to know? Kenneth Copeland's church, Joel Olstein's church, Hillsong, Bethel, Jesus Culture, Elevation Worship, all these individuals, all these bands come from a false teacher. 
They come from a false church. They have a false doctrine. They're heretical, right? But these people come to this worship service and they think that they're saved, but they're, but, but they have to examine themselves. That's what the Bible tells us is that Jesus himself said that in order to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross daily and follow me. He didn't say to, to go to, to a couple of church services, sing some songs about God, get on this spiritual high, but then once uh, once the world starts accusing you of things or starts challenging you and challenging the Bible, then you buckle, right? It's, 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 a, it's a classic case of the sower with all the different soils, you know, the ones that, 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 that fall on the, on the rocks and then the, the birds pick them up and they devour them. They, they fall amongst, uh, uh, you know, rocky soil or, 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 or dense soil. And, uh, and then the, the weeds come up and they choke it out. Um, and, uh, or because they have no foundation or have no root, they just dry up and die. But then there's the good soil, right? The ones that have the foundation, they have the word of God. They believe in the word of God, no matter how difficult it may be and understand it and go, yes, no, this is a sin. I am a sinner. I need to repent. I need to follow after Jesus in every single circumstance. That's my question that I have for all these individuals. So I also will say this. I think it is a good step in the right direction, but this isn't the first time that, that, that something like this has happened, right? So many times you see youth conferences, you see concerts, you see all these different places and things where people come, quote unquote, accept Jesus by the thousands. Billy Graham was famous for this, for all of his speeches and all of his sermons and all the things that he did in the coliseums and the arenas, whatever. Thousands of people came and, and became followers of Jesus. However, they also did a study on those individuals and they, they came back and they interviewed some of those individuals that were, that were with, uh, that went to a Billy Graham, um, event like that and asked him, well, how's your faith going? And I think it was 75% or 70% of those individuals backslid and said, well, no, I'm actually, I'm, I'm questioning my faith again, or no, well, I'm still committing adultery. I'm still a drunkard. I'm still whatever. And it gave people this false sense of salvation because here's the thing, Christians and even non-Christians, you cannot come to Christ without repentance. You cannot come to Christ without denying yourself, denying your sinfulness, recognizing that you are a sinner and recognizing that you need Jesus and you need to follow Jesus. Not just pray one magical prayer at one time and then just, you know, go out and do whatever you want and God will forgive me later. That's not true salvation. That's not true repentance. Repentance is having a changed mind and a changed heart towards your sinfulness to where you don't want to do those things. So you make changes within your life so that you don't commit those things. That is repentance. And then when you do sin... You feel horrible about it. And you're like, God, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. Please help me to fight this temptation. Please help me to not do this again. And I'm going to make changes so that I don't do it again. Right? And, and it takes time for, for certain individuals. You know, especially people that are kicking the habit with addiction. People that are really struggling with their anger or their 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 stress or, or anxiety. You know, whatever the case may be. People are struggling. 
and it takes time, but it needs effort. And God gives us the strength for that effort. So that's why I, I question this. Because here's the other part of this too. How many of those Christians that are now all on fire for God are going to go to their local abortion clinics and stand up for the babies that are in the womb, that are getting slaughtered, that are, that are being torn limb from limb? How many of those individuals are going to be doing that the next day, the next weekend? How many of them are going to actually join the fight? And because maybe they're in a situation like me and my church right now. We don't, abortion is not an issue in our area. Thankfully, we don't have, we have uh, the, we have other issues within our area, but abortion is not one of them. But we have individuals within our church who have taken the steps to talk to senators, talk to House of Representatives, talk to Governor. To, to the governor Reynolds, our, our the Iowa governor, about about actually abolishing abortion, right? We're, we're taking that step because again, the closest abortion clinic that we have is like an hour and a half away, which yeah we can do it. But even then, partnering with other churches and talking with other churches, they even realize it's really not a thing that happens here in this area. So thanks be to God that we don't have that issue here. But we do have an issue of transgenderism that's starting to make our way into our area. Gay marriage that's coming into our area. Liberalism. Uh, false sense of Christianity. All these different things are starting to slowly make our way into our area. So our fight is not done. It's just changed directions. So again, how many of those individuals... Are actually coming to Jesus and are actually going to make a change in their lives to follow after Jesus and this is not the case for every single one of them I am certain that there that there are true repentant 100% good soil Christians in that in that group no question about it but to call this a revival and yet our country still slaughters thousands of babies a day millions of them a year we still allow gay marriage we still allow transgenderism we still allow um uh just i mean let's just call it there we allow all these different things within our nation and yet we want to try to say that there's a revival coming to to the united states i don't see it I, I don't see it. But that's just my opinion. That's just that that's that that's how that that's my viewpoint of it. I mean I, I'm hopeful for it. I'm praying for it. But but from what I know from what scripture says, especially when it uh, when it talks about how a nation treats its children, how a nation treats God its uh, himself, it's not good. It, it's really not good um, but there is hope there is hope and there is stuff that we can do um, so those are those are my takes on uh, on this this so-called revival I question it I hope that it's real I hope that it actually brings about change um, but I kind of think too that what is it actually going to accomplish you know what what is the overall goal of this revival? 
No one has said that yet. Everybody's just said that, uh, that thousands of people gather together to worship. Okay, that's great. That's amazing. Let's worship God together. But to call it a revival, that means something changes. That something was, that was dead has come alive. Um, you know, Sunday morning worship, maybe attendance, is that going to start going up again? Uh, cause then again, again, going back to the point, are they showing up because they're there to worship and they're repentant and they want to learn from God and all these things? Or are they just there just to fill a seat or to ch check off a box to say, yeah, I came to worship today. Things we have to think about. We can't just put Jesus on it and call it good. And I'm going to get to that in a second, but let's move on. So, to the uh, to the movie industry now. So, the big movement that's happening right now, the big revival, and the movie Jesus Revolution is, uh, is coming out. And if you don't know anything about this movie, uh, this is essentially the, the starting point of Greg Laurie's church out in California. Um, the... Uh, uh, <laughs> I like to call it uh, like almost like the the church for misfits, right? Um, because because uh, he was a trans or transitional traditional pastor, um, and uh, and he he was a part of a congregation and led a congregation that essentially was not open to the quote unquote the hippie movement and was not open to the hippies the people that were a part of this movement they were just to themselves they kept jesus to themselves they kept their church to themselves doors were closed to people who looked and sounded different from us essentially but then greg glory started changing his dynamic and he opened up his church to the hippies and to those individuals and then uh and then eventually it's it sparked this revolution quote-unquote uh that um that churches are no longer just suit and ties and uh um and the same people every week but that it, it, it's a, it's a gathering place for community people this is what greg Laurie uh, essentially says and people come to learn about jesus and you know stuff like that um and so now he has uh he has been a pastor for all these years um and and i think he's still the leader of the church that that he planted out uh, out in california i believe it is um and so this is <coughs> excuse me this is his story um uh and uh and it, it seems really really entertaining it seems really good um it's a uh, it's by the creators of I Can Only Imagine. Um, and if you saw I Can Only Imagine, that was a really good film as well. Um, um, but uh, but we'll see how this movie is. Um, but one of the things that I, I want to tell people too is we just have to be careful. Um, we have to be mindful and have to be careful on how, how Jesus is perceived in these movies and promoted in these movies. Right? Um, because one of the things that I see here is that, uh, is that, yes, I mean, the church, the church needs to be open, right? It needs to be open, uh, to, to anyone willing to come and to hear, but we can't, I know there's a movement that says we have to make non-believers comfortable when they come into the room. That's, that's not the case because how is anyone going to see their need for Jesus or see their need for a savior if they come and they feel comfortable? Now, I'm not saying that they you come in and you fornicator, you adulterer, you are just horrible, you need to repent, you are 
terrible. We're going to tie you up here and throw you in the back corner until you repent of your sins. Like, no, that's that's not what I'm saying. We need to greet those people. We need to love on those people. We need to talk to those people. We need to uh, challenge those people, encourage them. Like, hey, what's your story? Sit down with us. Have some coffee. You want some 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 cookies or some donuts or whatever it is that your your worship or your church service uh, serves. Um, but what uh, like what is your story? And how can I encourage you? And help me, like help me to understand why you're here. And then plant the seeds, plant the seeds of the gospel in their heart. And then let God do the rest. So even if they get mad and they get offended and they're, oh, you're just judgmental, you're condemning, blah, 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 blah. Okay, that, that's fine. Brush the dust off your feet and move on, right? Because that's what people, that that's what I feel like the church is going to. The church is becoming almost like a, a sissified version of, of the original church. Like, like, yeah, we gather together and we're worshiping, but yet we, we don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to, we, we want to be careful in how we say things, which I mean, yeah, you don't want to come out like, uh, like I said, you don't want to come out condemning. You don't want to come out, but if someone is caught in adultery, if someone is caught as a drunkard, meaning that they continually get drunk, uh, they do drugs, they're, they're having sex outside of marriage, they're lying, they're cheating, they're stealing. Um, uh, these people need to be drawn to repentance. I mean, th that's what we all did. So if that's what we did, why do, why, why are we keeping Jesus to ourselves? If we have experienced the grace and love and forgiveness of Jesus, then why are we not sharing that with everyone else? But we also have to be careful on how we promote this too and how we preach this. Because I have heard pastors and churches and individuals who just say, Yeah, you you know, you're you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, but God forgives us. No, God forgives you as a Christian. God forgives Christians. Jesus came to save sinners who will repent. Not every single sinner. The amazing John 3.16 passage that everyone takes out of context even says this too. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son uh, to all who believe shall not perish but have eternal life. That all who believe shall not perish but have eternal life. But people just see, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Boom. That's all. That's all they read. No, there's a stipulation with that. There's a stipulation for that, that you have to repent. You have to believe in Jesus. And you cannot just repent, you know, one time, but then go back to your original lifestyle. That's not, that's not repentance. Again, that is not repentance. So that's why I think we have to be careful with this movie, Jesus Revolution. I mean, I'm going to go see it. I'm really, I, because I want to know, I'm curious I want to see the story. I want to hear. Um, I want to hear about this revolution that took place long before I was born. Um, and I, I just I, I like a good movie. I'm a movie guy. I really like it. You know. I know this is going to sound weird to my reformed 
friends in my reform circles, I liked the God the God's Not Dead movies. Um, I didn't like the third one. It was it was kind of weird and it's awkward, but I genuinely genuinely liked the God's Not Dead films. I know there was theology problems. I had theology problems with it, I, but I didn't I didn't get it. I didn't get my theology from it. But I liked it. I enjoyed it. I even enjoyed. Uh, I can only imagine. I enjoyed American Underdog. I enjoyed. Um, oh, what what was uh, uh, Courageous? I enjoyed Fireproof. I enjoy all of those films. I I I enjoy them. Yeah, they're cheesy. Yeah, I can probably guess how it's all gonna end or whatever. Um, but I enjoyed them. I like good movies. But. I'm also very outspoken when it comes to movies and it comes to TV shows because what I don't want to have people, what I don't want to hear is people getting their theology from these movies. Letting the, letting the movie say, oh, this is biblical, this is the truth, this is the gospel, this is this, this is that. No, the Bible is the Bible, right? The Bible is the Bible. We can't look at movies and go, oh yeah, that's where I get my theology from. I I already, I had a family member who told me every single day, um, I watch The Shack every single day. And, and so, you know, I watch The Shack every single day. I don't read my Bible every day, but I watch The Shack and I pray. And I had to tell this individual, you can't do that. Well, for one, The Shack is one of the most unbiblical quote-unquote faith-based movies of all time aside from left behind but but this one was just bad <laughs> it was just all bad yeah it was an emotional movie yeah it it, it had me crying but but no <laughs> no this was not a biblical movie by any means none none whatsoever um so I ha- I worked on this individual like you gotta stop watching the shack and not reading your Bible. You need to read your Bible. But then eventually, I think probably after a year, uh, this family member finally said, "Yeah, you're right. I like I still like it, but I'm not. I'm just I'm gonna read my Bible instead of watching the shack." And I said, "Good. That's a good thing. Don't watch that no more, or you know, just watch it for entertaining purposes." Um, so anyway, um, we just have to be careful. We have to be careful when it comes to, you know, the movies like that. And I, and I also think it, we have to be careful that it doesn't give us a false sense of the church. So I'm kind of interested to see how the movie portrays repentance, how the movie portrays forgiveness and how it portrays sinners. Um, yeah, I'm just really curious about that, but I mean, go see it. I mean, if you really want to go see it, I, no, no condemnation here, no judgment here. You went and saw a movie. And that's how I view it. But if you're going there for theology, you're going there um, because you're going to do a sermon series on it or whatever. Don't do that. You have the Bible for that. Quit trying to be entertaining. Quit trying to be quote unquote relevant. Quit trying to do all these things. Just preach the Bible. Preach the Bible. Um, I know that I've gone a little bit longer than what I normally do, but this is such an important topic. Um, my last, uh, my last point that I want to make here 
is uh, the creators of The Chosen. Um, and I'm not going to get into The Chosen here, but I'm hoping to do an episode on The Chosen, uh, just talking about my, my opinions of The Chosen, what I what I see from The Chosen, and uh, and even my, my hesitations to The Chosen. And I'm hoping to have a special guest on, uh, a, a local pastor here that I admire and I love and actually is a mentor um, to me. Um, and, uh, hopefully to have him on, uh, so then him and I can, can talk about these things and hopefully share with you, uh, the different, uh, <clears throat> the different, um, things that we believe about the chosen, but, uh, the chosen as a whole, I'm just going to say this point blank is, is, is an entertaining show. It really is. I mean, I know that a lot of different people have a difference in opinion, but I find it entertaining. I find it fun to watch. I don't watch it anymore. But that's just because, from a doctrinal standpoint, I just feel too convicted to to continue to watch it. But the first two seasons, oh man, they were fun to watch. Um, uh, and watching uh, just the the cultural depictions of the Bible and seeing how they got it pretty accurate, you know, culturally and uh, societally, um, uh, just everybody, you know, because I got so sick and tired of watching another Jesus movie where Jesus was white and Jesus had a British accent for some reason and Jesus had a clean cut beard and long wavy hair um, and there was even one Jesus who was like fit um, like he was like like buff almost um, it just uh, yeah so it was um, it, it was just overall like a good cultural depiction of the movie um, and uh and especially in season one, oh man, I tears, uh, I had tears, I had goosebumps, I had like, oh, that was such a good scene. Oh wow, well, y you know, reading, you know, even reading some of the gospels and going, wow, yeah, they 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 got that right, or you know, and then some of the dialogue was added for entertainment purposes, you know, and so, uh, but yeah, but overall, it was an entertaining show, right? But slowly. The Chosen started getting more and more all religion based. Not just from a conservative Christian biblical standpoint, but it was slowly going to adopting other religions' views and beliefs about Jesus. And we'll get into that in a later episode, but that's why one of the biggest things is, is why I stopped watching it. Um, but anyway... Um, the one movie that's going to come out now uh, that Angel Studios is putting out, and I believe it's March 31st is when this movie is going to come out, but it is His Only Son. It's called His Only Son, and this is the account of Abraham and Isaac. Um, and everyone knows this is a very controversial account in the Bible. Um, you know, in some cases, a lot of a lot of pastors for a lot of years, for some reason, didn't want to preach on this because it was it, because it was so controversial. But what people fail to realize is that the New Testament explains why God asked Abraham to do this, right? Um, so basically, in the movie. Um, it depicts Abraham, at least in my opinion. Now, this is just coming from the trailer and the synopsis. I haven't seen the movie yet. I will go and see it because, again, I like to watch movies. I like to watch good movies. And Angel Studios does put out very entertaining uh 
very entertaining and from a movie goer standpoint good films um but what i gathered from the trailer and what i gathered from uh, the synopsis was that basically god comes to abraham gives him the command that he has to sacrifice isaac but then abraham essentially questions god the entire time and is afraid the entire time and like uh and basically there's one scene in there where he uh bargains with god to to take his life instead of isaac's very emotional scene but but abraham says take my life not the boys um and uh and it really got me thinking wow they really went off the rails with this one <laughs> now again this is not this is not i i don't know everything about the movie because i haven't seen it yet but just from my from my initial viewing of the trailer and reading like i said reading the synopsis it's it's going to be very unbiblical um because if you read the account in is it genesis 21 or 22 where god actually comes to abraham and tells him that he needs to sacrifice isaac abraham you won't find any passage in scripture that says that Abraham questioned it or that Abraham was, was like hesitant or that Abraham was, you know, mad or angry or anything. He did as he command, as, as God commanded him to do. Abraham, Abraham got everything and went to the mountain of Moriah and, and set up the altar and, and, and was going to do it. You know, spoiler alert, obviously, as Abraham took out the knife and was going to stab and kill his son Isaac, um, God said, okay, stop, don't hurt the boy, your faith has, 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 has been shown here, your faith has made you well, here is the ram that, uh, that, that, that you need to sacrifice, and he provided a ram for them, and then they, Isaac survived. So, um, so this just shows, um, you know Abraham's faith in God, uh, and and reveals um, that, yeah, even in the most difficult things that God asks us to do, we need to do it. But here's the thing. Here's the controversial part. You know, people tend to say like, well, well, would you sacrifice your child if God asked you to? And my response is, God's not going to ask me to sacrifice my child. God doesn't. God did not do that anymore. God's not going to do that anymore. Um, and yes, I would. I would do as the Lord commands, but God is not going to ask me to do that anymore. But why did Abraham do this, right? Why did Abraham do this? Um, so if we read in Hebrews chapter 11, this is the faith passage, right? Talking about everybody's faith in the, in the Old Testament. But... It says here in verse 17, By faith, Abraham, he, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac, the dead from which, uh, or excuse me, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Did you catch it? Abraham knew the power of God. Abraham knew what God had promised. 
Abraham was faithful because he knew that God was faithful. So that even if he did kill Isaac, God had the power to bring him back from the dead. Because he knew that God does not break his promises. That God does not go back on his word. So even if Abraham physically did kill Isaac, Isaac was not going to stay dead. Which, ironically, as as the, the author of Hebrews says, figuratively speaking, he did bring him back. Right? <laughs> like... the. It was, it was what, what was this, what was the, the point of this? It wasn't so that Abraham would sacrifice Isaac. This was another revealing of the Messiah, revealing of Jesus, that Jesus was going to send his one and only son and be sacrificed on the cross, on the ultimate altar, so that his people could be saved, right? So that's why God told Abraham to do this but Abraham did it with faith Abraham did as he commanded or as he was commanded to do so again the fact that Hollywood tries to change tries to change scripture to make it fit our humanly instincts is just ridiculous that's what I truly believe this this movie is the, the he's his only son is going to do is that it, oh it, it puts Abraham in a real sense and and oh just because the Bible doesn't say it doesn't mean it didn't happen yeah that's exactly it you are adding to scripture when you when you add stuff like this you're adding to scripture right now you know you want to be entertaining and you want to tell a story and and you have to you know add a couple of little lines of dialogue to fit the the script or whatever okay i'm not going to be condemning on that i know some people would but it doesn't bother me none right but if you're going to change the entire dynamic of the account to fit your narrative that's when i have a problem and more importantly that's when god has a problem any time that we try to change scripture to fit our narrative that's a problem. That's sinful. And we need to repent of that. So, Angel Studios, I don't know if you're going to be listening to this or not, but I want to encourage you with this. You, If you are going to continue to make movies like this, you need to stay true to the Bible. You need to stay true to the actual message of the Bible. Quit trying to change it and to put human, like our 21st century human emotions to it. Quit trying to change it to fit your narrative, to fit your agenda. Quit doing it. If you want to make these good, wholesome movies, make them, but make them actually pertaining to the Bible. Make it pertain to the Bible. So, overall, we need to be careful. We need to be careful on how we ourselves view movies and view the industry. Because if we give the movie industry too much power, then we're going to fail. And we're going to fall. And it's not going to be good. So, please just understand, brothers and sisters and listeners, um, that we need to be on our guard. 
we need to test everything and we have to ask difficult questions is this biblical is this correct and is this actually something that god is doing or is this something that satan is doing to cause confusion and to cause false converts be on the lookout brothers and sisters be mindful be watchful and more importantly repent and believe in jesus christ Um, and as always thank you so much for listening have a blessed day and be safe and make good choices